Hello and welcome again to my show, Searching for Integrity. My name really is John Smith, and I'm searching for people with integrity. Why? Because our country suffers from IDD, Integrity Deficit Disorder. Today we have a variety of information that I'll be putting forth today to my listeners and discussion analysis, and inspiration. These five topics, excuse me, four topics, are going to run five to six minutes each, so you won't be bored. You'll be interested in every one of these. It's your dollars to donuts. And I'll begin the, uh, the first one. Uh, recession could be the stock market strategist says the coming recession could be the biggest ever. He recommends prayer, which is not a good omen. Right now, he has very few less charitable things to say about how the Fed's rate hikes have ground up stock and bond investors. It's the hedge-eye risk management isn't one to mince words about financial markets, Federal Reserve, or the economy. His investment research firm, economic models turned bearish on stocks and bonds at the beginning of 2022. Prices have been some tumbled, but McCullough is still bearish. He's now steering investors to defensive positions, primarily in cash, the US dollar, the gold, and the income producing equities. McCullough is preparing investors for the painful recession he expects for both Wall Street and Main Street in 2023. To anyone expecting the feed to re realize its rate increases have been excessive and rescue the markets. McCullough is blunt. There's no dovish pivot. Even if the Fed were to relent, McCullough said the damage is done. They're far too late. late. He says of the Fed, just like it was impossible for them to stop inflation, it's impossible for them to stop the pending U.S. corporate profit recession on the mainline recession. In this recent interview, which has been edited for length and clarity, McCullough outlines his base case for the U.S. economy and the financial markets going into 2023 and advisors advises investors to take shelter from a coming storm many of them have never seen. The necessary economic data keeps getting worse. In Market Watch interview the last April, he said, always screws up the fed always screws it up and predicted a bear market for you stocks in the summer that happened what do you expect now from the fed learn from its mistakes or make more recession today is what transitory inflation was a year ago the fed is as wrong on recession risk as they were on inflation I'm about bearish as I've been since 2008, 
Instead of the economy having a soft landing, I think the landing is going to be hard. The recessionary, recessionary economy data keeps getting worse, not just in the US, but the, in Europe as well. Free money forever created behavioral problems a behavioral bubble for the markets and investors, you'll believe you'll have unlimited access to easy money and your behavior, whether you're building profitless growth companies through storytelling or cryptocurrencies that also are just stories. You're coming from the mother of all behavioral bubbles that now will be addressed with tighter money. When you're printing money and the economy is accelerating to the fastest growth rate ever, you're going to have the mother of all bubbles. Now GDP is going to slow to zero and you get the opposite. Market watch, a hard landing for the economy and economic environment echoing the 2008 financial crisis is a pretty damning verdict. You're not in the perma bear camp with some forecasters. So what you're seeing now to have such a pessimistic outlook. On a lot of levels, it's worse now than in 2008. To 2008. And 2008 was about Wall Street collapsing on itself, on all its conflicts of interest and lies. This one is more about Main Street. Main Street is broke. Main Street is taking all this inflation into their cost of living. Main Street has the highest credit card interest going back to the 1990s. It's way worse than 2008 on that basis. If you're trying to pay your bills with credit, it's getting worse and worse. And then they're going to lose their jobs. Labor collapsing is always the last thing to go down. We're right on the cusp of the labor cycle going the wrong way. Doesn't sound good. <clears throat> There's more here. The big screw up people will have is the minutes that the Fed dovishness. They're going to buy stocks and crypto. That's what's going on right now. GDP and profit growth are both going negative. The Fed is going to see all of that and have to change. The big screw up people will have is the minute they see Fed dovishness, they're going to buy stocks and crypto. Then they're going to realize they're in a recession, which is an entirely different setup from what goes those bubbles to begin, which was unlimited easing and fiscal support plus GDP growth. We have economic deceleration, irrespective of what the Fed does, it's impossible for the Federal Reserve to stop gravity. They're far too late just like it was impossible for them to stop inflation. It's impossible for them to stop the pending U.S. corporate profit recession on the mainline recession. It just isn't the Fed that could miss the recession loss signs until it's too late. Stock investors as well might find themselves on the wrong side of the tracks. The Fed first has to realize that what I'm talking about is the high probability event. That will take time. It's going to have to take them a month. They'll have to realize we're in a recession, then make the commensurate policy pivot. Then when the Fed goes dovish and realize that we're in a recession, that's bad for the stock market. 
the Pavlovian response is the Fed is dovish by stocks. That's true if you're not in a recession. This next recession, which could be the biggest profits recession of the modern era, will be quite an education for people who are still bullish with the expectation that the Fed is going to save them. Many Fed watchers in market analysis expect the Fed to pause or slow rate hikes to access the effects on their inflation fighting efforts. Do you see a Powell pivot coming? There's no devilish point. The level of inflation, inflation is nowhere near the Fed's target. And there's a midterm election coming up. They've already established that the rate hikes are going to go right up to the November. Right? Hikes are baked into the cake and anybody looking for it to turn into a birthday cake for the bulls will be sadly disappointed. Federal Reserve, even if it were to turn dervish, dovish on interest rates tomorrow, will have a hard time stopping the profits recession. An entire generation of Americans have gone through a recession. A lot of companies in Silicon Valley have never been through a recession, for example. My definition of a U.S. corporate profits recession is when the rate of change of revenue growth has gone negative and the rate of change of year-over-year -year profit growth has gone negative. The Federal Reserve, even if it were to turn dovish on interest rates tomorrow, will have a hard time stopping the profits recession. When the rate of economic change is accelerating and the Fed is printing money, you buy anything that's got a good chart and a good story. You're going to make a lot of money until the music stops. And it did. Now we're seeing the opposite. The rate of change of real GDP growth and inflation are slowing at the same time. You can't own inflation, commodities, or growth now. If you're still long, pretend growth or profitless growth or crypto. I recommend prayer. Given the grim picture you've drawn, we are you directing investors to put their money to weather the storm. If you had to own stocks, we like quality balance sheets, profitable companies that have high quality cash flow streams. There aren't many places to hide. Our biggest position is equities is DJU and we still like gold, GCOO. We're short growth, all of it. We're short all of tech. Energy stocks are levered up on the long side. I'll take my time on that. It's a place I'm interested in buying. But currently, we're only long natural gas. We're bearish on oil, copper, every major commodity other than natural gas. We're short Europe on the equity side and on the euro. I'm in no rush to cover those shorts. The trend is down for stocks and up for the U.S. dollar. Also, Treasury bonds, but you have to wait, watch, and act as the game plays out. If the U.S. 10-year Treasury breaks down below 2.95%, that's a pretty obvious green light to make long-term Treasuries one of your top asset allocations. A lot of people are trying to pick bottoms in stocks.
I'm much more interested in buying treasury bonds than anything else. And that is the end of that. Uh, I think prayer is probably a good, uh, a good thing to do just before bed. I have another one here about the economy. The WTO sees sharp slowdown in global trade, pointing to possible recession. High inflation and borrowing costs supply disruptions are weakening global demand for exports and imports. World trade in goods is projected to slow sharply next year under the weight of high energy prices, rising interest rates, and war-related disruptions, raising the risk of a global recession according to a new forecast. The World Trade Organization's report Wednesday follows multiple signs that global economic growth is weakening. The global economy, economy faces a multi-pronged prolonged crisis. The Director General of the DOTO, WTO, Geneva-based body responsible for enforcing the rules that govern club trade, told reporters in a news conference, the picture for 2023 has darkened considerably. Total exports and imports of goods are likely to grow by just 1% in 2023, the WTO said, down from its previous forecast of 3.4% and its forecast of 3.5% for this year. The WTO also lowered its forecast for global economic growth in 2023 to 3.3% from earlier expectations of 3.3%. Warned of an even sharper slowdown should central banks raise interest rates too sharply in their efforts to tame high inflation. The U.S. trade picture in August reflected the broad slowdown in demand. Exports of goods dropped 0.3% in August from the prior month, the first decline since January. The Commerce Department said Tuesday goods import fell 1.5% during the same period. When including both goods and services such as tourism, education, and health care, total U.S. exports fell 0.3% in August from July while imports increased 1.1%. Because imports fell more than exports, the nation's trade deficit shrank, I think shrunk is also good, 4.3% last month. The strong dollar makes imports cheaper for U.S. consumers while making American products more expensive for foreign buyers. U.S. energy companies have benefited this year from higher prices and increased U.S. exports of oil and natural gas, resulting from trade disruptions connected to Russia's invasion of Ukraine. This dynamic shifted in August, a period when demand eased and prices softened from highs hit earlier in the summer. U.S. natural gas exports rose, but oil exports fell while oil imports rose. The Organization of the Petroleum Exporting Countries and its Russia-led allies on Wednesday agreed to cut oil production by 2 million barrels a day, a move likely to keep upward pressure on energy prices. 
Oil prices rose after the announcement, with the international benchmark Brent crude rising more than 2% to $93.90 a barrel by midday Eastern time in the U.S. The U.S. average price of regular unleaded gasoline was $3.83 a gallon, according to OPUS, an energy data and analytics provider. That is down from just over $5 a gallon in early June, but more than 60 cents a gallon above the price a year ago. OPEC's decision also could undermine efforts for the group of seven wealthy nations to cap Russian oil prices, and a key part of West's economic battle with Moscow in response to the invasion. The annual rate of inflation across the group of 20 largest economies held at 9.2% from June to August, the Organization for Economic Corporation and Development said Tuesday. The WTO said a trade slowdown could help cool price pressures by furthering improving supply chains and reducing the transportation costs. A measure of supply chain pressures compiled by the Federal Reserve Bank of New York has fallen each month from April to August. Freight costs have declined rapidly over recent months. A key factor behind this is likely to be an easy goods demand. Factory prices charged by companies in most of Asia declined in September for the first time since the middle of 2020, according to the Purchasing Managers Indexes for the region, a sign that cooler trade growth may bring some relief on inflation. Federal Reserve and other central banks are raising interests aggressively to combat high inflation by curbing hiring, spending, and investment. These moves have contributed to weakening demand and economic activity in the U.S. and many other countries. Some economists and some policymakers worry rates may climb higher than needed and cause a reception recession. There is a danger you could overshoot. Demand for goods soared in late 2020 as global economies bounced back from COVID-19 disruptions, fueling a surge in trade volumes in 2021. Now signs of global trade slowdown abound in Asia and Europe. South Korea's exports grew an annual 2.8% in September, the weakest performance since October 2020, the country's trade ministry said Tuesday. In China, the world's second largest economy, an export boom that propelled its economy through the pandemic is petering out. China's demand for imports from its neighbors is also softening as the economy labors under severe real estate squeeze and the government's zero-tolerance approach to COVID-19. Europe's exports to Russia have collapsed in responses to sanctions imposed on the Kremlin following its invasion of Ukraine, according to the European Union Statistics Agency, but its exports to the U.S. have grown rapidly. Wednesday's U.S. trade report provided another confirmation of softening global economic backdrop as demand weaknesses and businesses pull back on investment. 
U.S. economists for Oxford Economics. No, that's good. But we got to listen to it, and we got to listen to what what's saying, and regard what they're saying, so that we can do our part in order to hopefully have a better landing. OPEC and others agrees to biggest oil production cut since start of pandemic. Move to reduce daily output by 2 million barrels is likely to boost prices and help Moscow. Moscow. The Organization of the Petroleum Inter Exporting Countries and its Russia-led allies agreed on Wednesday to slash output by 2 million barrels of oil a day. Delegates said a move unlikely to push up already high global energy prices and help oil exporting Russia pay for its war in Ukraine. The decision could undermine a plan by the group of seven wealthy nations to cap the price of oil, Russian oil, and global market as part of the West's economic battle with Moscow. It came less than three months after President Biden visited Saudi Arabia, the OPEC's de facto leader, in a bid to repair relations between the world's biggest oil consumer and its biggest crude oil exporter during a period of rising inflation, driving in part by high energy prices. Mr. Biden was disappointed by the short-sighted decision by OPEC and others to cut production quotas while the global economy is dealing with the continued negative impact of Putin's invasion of Ukraine. Wow, that's amazing stuff. Just comes at a wrong time. You know, timing is everything. As I've been told, timing has been everything. Two million barrels of oil, two million barrels, amounts to about 2% of the world's daily oil production, though the effect on one day of oil could be far less. OPEC cut its output targets, undershooting its targets by as much as three million barrels a day this year. The actual hit to oil supply will be much smaller. That's a shame. If our guy Biden had not shut down those pipelines when he first took office, we wouldn't be concerned about this. But we are concerned. Putin's best weapon, Bidenomics. A recession would work to his advantage in a time of economic insecurity and peril. U.S. has forsaken pro-growth policies. Daniel Henninger, Wall Street Journal. Shortly after Vladimir Putin invaded Ukraine in February with the intention of bringing it under Russian control, it was clear he had started that would be the biggest war on European soil since World War II. The big war, war didn't become a conventional mass mobilization across many countries. Instead, much of the free world, indeed led by the Biden administration, 
committed significant arms and money to back Ukraine's military forces, which quickly resisted the Russian army's initial strike at the capital city of Kyiv. Sanctions against Russia followed, some at considerable cost to Europe's economic health. The West recognized that the Russian invasion wasn't a play of previous Putin territorial aggressions, but was instead the first movement of an imperial ambition that next would threaten the eastern flank of the North Atlantic Treaty Organization, NATO. Immediately, obvious to them, Finland and Sweden. Yes, they did. This military economic modus, modus vivendi has held for almost a year with Ukraine's people proving their willingness to be the trip of the world's spear against Mr. Putin, who in turn has depended on support for a declared anti-Western alliance that includes China, Iran, and North Korea. The war has reached a tipping point, Mr. Putin playing tactical nuclear brinkmanship after Ukraine's astonishing military this week routed the Russians around the cities of Kherson and Lyman. Notwithstanding Mr. Putin's decent recent defeats and setbacks, it is possible he could still win without using a tactical nuclear weapon. Deploying a nuke would guarantee an escalation in range and quality of NATO's military support for Ukraine. But there is another weapon that could wear down the West's will to continue this necessary fight, a world in recession led by the United States that has forsaken pro-growth economics. Whether we are heading into a technical recession or stagnant GDP growth between 1% and 2% in 2023 is beside the point. It's time to recognize that spending money on the climate has been become such a consuming obsession for the Democratic Party that is putting at risk the recovery of the U.S. economy and the national security. For the Democrats, saving the planet is World War III, four, and five. No issue or reality, including Mr. Putin's threat to use tactical nukes in Ukraine, will deter them from demoting every other priority to achieve their climate goals. But the Putin threat and this week's firing by North Korea of a ballistic missile across Japan has pushed climate liber allies out of the realm of economic forecast by the Congressional Budget Office and onto the blazing front burner. Consider the Biden Democrats' policies in the past two years. Virtually everything they have done has been climated at the climate. Climate-related infrastructure outlays, increased transfer payments on the half-trillion-dollar student debt write-off. The pay-fors come primarily through higher taxes. It's difficult to identify any initiative meant to unlock the post-pandemic injuries of broader U.S. economy. The world's number one economic issue is inflation. The Democrats just passed the Inflation Reduction Act read through the White House fact sheet on the new law, and it's clear that inflation was virtually a Trojan horse for pushing through an array of long-sought clean energy subsidies and tax credits. If Europe's anti-Putin 
resolves, breaks down this winter, it will be cause willingness to oppose Russia and contributed destructively high natural gas prices. Mr. Biden spent the summer blaming high gasoline prices on whether Mr. Putin or profiteering U.S. refiners. California Governor Gavin Newsom wants a windfall, windfall profits tax on oil companies. The Biden Democrats' explicit determination to suppress long-term capital investments in fossil fuel production ensures a near-term energy and security dilemma for the Europeans. The invasion of Ukraine forced the Europeans to admit their defense spending finally heated to rise. But with energy prices spiking amid an economic slowdown, the chances of follow-through on this long-sought U.S. goal diminished the irony that the European Union has backed away partially from the renewals obsession recently voted that investment in nuclear power and natural gas is green, which it is. American financial support for Ukraine has been relatively robust so far, but if the U.S. goes into a protracted downturn, pressures will build on both the political left and right for spending limited resources on domestic needs. Mr. Putin's nuclear aggression already has Elon Musk tweeting concern about the great harm Ukraine's recent victories may do. Competing priorities are inevitable, but we proved with the pro-growth policies of the 1980s that they are manageable if the world's strongest economy leads by maxing out its potential. Mr. Putin's advisors can see the evidence that America's liberals have become wholly transfixed by spending on climate with little prospect of any expect, expected significant U.S. pro-growth policies for two more years. They see that Mr. Biden has outsourced responsibility for the economy's health to the Federal Reserve, whose only viable policy lever now is high interest rates. If you're Vlad Vladimir Putin, connect the dots. You must potent weapon isn't a battlefield nuke. It's biodynamics. Well, that's very revealing. I think I would agree with that and have agreed with that. In, in the process here, I would uh, uh, have you discuss a lot of this amongst your family members uh, and others at work. I want to say to our listeners, thanks again by tuning in and listening as a great audience searching for integrity. So long and happy trails to all. John Smith, signing off.